streets, and it was all you could do to get out of there by eleven if you weren't careful. It was twenty past eleven now. Molly had gone on forever. All the cabs had been snatched up by audiences pouring out into the night when the shows broke all up and down the street. She could either walk north to Lassiter and hope to catch an uptown bus on the corner there, or she could walk south to the stem and then four blocks east to the subway station where she could catch an uptown train. The avenue bordering the theater on the north was perhaps the roughest in the entire city, thronged with hookers and pimps at all hours of the day, but especially after dark. Besides, with this snow, would the buses be running on schedule? No, the subway would be best. When she reached the brightly lighted stem, however, she was surprised to find that it was still crowded with people, despite the rotten weather. She stood on the street corner for a moment, debating whether it wouldn't be simpler just to walk home. She lived only ten blocks from the theater. If she took the subway, it meant walking the four blocks to the station and then another block to her apartment building when she got off the train. Besides... Would the subway be safer than the stem at this hour of the night? She decided to walk. She walked with a dancer's peculiarly duck-footed waddle. She had been a dancer ever since she was nine, sixteen years now, including four years of study at the Sadler's Wells in London. She had been living then with an oboe player, a young man who could never understand why dancers looked so graceful on stage and so oddly awkward off. Walking duck-footedly, but briskly, she smiled at the memory and thought again of London and longed idiotically for the wet and gloomy winters there, winters without the stubborn cold that held this city in its icy grip for months on end. This was February. Spring was only a bit more than a month away, but where was it? She paced herself as if she were doing a routine, head ducked against the wind and the snow, so many strides to the corner, so many strides to the corner after that, pause there for the traffic light, five, six, seven, eight, striding out again, the tails of her greatcoat flapping in the wind, the snow swirling around her the blinking lights on the rooftop billboards flashing palely through the fierce sharp flakes. It was ten minutes to midnight when she reached her own corner. She turned left at the familiar phone booth, banked with snow now, and began walking toward her building in the middle of the block. In this city, the neighborhoods changed rapidly. Ten blocks farther downtown, it would have been extremely dangerous to stand on a street corner waiting for a bus at this time of night. But here, only half a mile uptown from the theater, the block between the stem and Lassiter was a safe, secluded enclave of juxtaposed brownstones, high-rises, and small shops. Her own building was midway between the two avenues. The shops, at this hour was shuttered and dark. She passed the street lamp, two buildings down from her own, and was approaching her own building when the man stepped out of the shadowed doorway to the service entrance. Her head was still ducked against the blinding snow. At first, 
She only sensed his presence. She stopped. He was holding a gun in his hand. She knew only sudden, lurching terror. She opened her mouth to scream, or to plead, or to shout for help, but the gun exploded, and she felt a searing sensation below her left breast, and then she fell over backward onto the sidewalk, into the snow, blood bubbling from the wound and soaking the gray cavalry officer's coat. He stood over her. He glanced briefly over his shoulder. He leveled a pistol at her head then, and fired two shots directly into her face. The girl lay wet and gray and red against the white snow. The snow was still falling. A patrol car was angled in against the curb, its blinking red dome lights flashing red onto the red-stained snow around the girl.